0: God's Word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. This is Will Rice, and First Light is a brief Bible challenge encouraging you to read God's Word, to think about God's Word, and to live it in real life. What do you think of Warren G. Harding? Well, you probably don't think of him at all. In fact, you may be wondering who in the world he is. Uh, Unless you are from Ohio or unless you are a history teacher of seventh grade, You may have forgotten that Warren G. Harding was the president at one time of the United States of America. Now, one of the reasons we don't know much about him, and I I know almost nothing about him, is uh, the times in which he lived probably did not draw out or necessitate some bold leadership in the way that other times have. If I were to say, what do you know of George Washington? What do you think of him? Well, apart from being the first president of our country, he was a great leader who uh, was president during uh, significant times. So Light Horse Harry Leed said of Washington that Washington was first in war, first in peace, and first in the hearts of his countrymen. And he was first in uh, peace and in hearts because he was first in war. He was a man who the times demanded much of, and so you know him. Uh, the same is true when you come to the Judges of Israel. Some of them we know, some of them we do not. So you come to Judges chapter 10, and if I were to ask you, what do you think of Tola? And what do you think of Jair? Well, you've never thought of them. You probably don't remember them. I'm not sure that I I do. But you find subsequently in chapter 11, the story of a judge named Jephthah. Now he's not extremely uh, memorable either, but he's more memorable, more known than the previous two, because uh, he was a, a strong leader. He was a powerful man, but he was also a man who was judge in perilous times, times of great conflict. The Bible says in verse 1, Now Jephthah the Gileadite was a mighty man of valor, and he was the son of an harlot, and Gilead begat Jephthah. In Hebrews 11.32, we read about Jephthah. He was a man of faith and a man who God used because that he was. Now, when you read Jephthah's story, you find out that when times demand little, The leaders are remembered little when times demand much leaders are generally regarded more highly and thought of more often. The same might be said of the gods that God's people were serving when times were good. They reverted back to Balaam, the the gods of the land of Canaan. When times were easy, it was easy for them to think, well, hey, we built these houses. We planted these vineyards. We conquered this land. It's, It's ours. But that was not true. They had houses they did not build and vineyards they did not plant and land they did not deserve. It was Jehovah's. But when the tide turned, when times of trouble came, they discovered they needed Jehovah and it rejected him. In verse 13 of chapter 10, the Bible says, Yet ye have forsaken me and served other gods. Wherefore, I will deliver you no more. Now, God later had compassion on him. and The Bible says his soul was grieved for the misery of Israel. But his point was, Times have been easy, so you've had uh, gods that were not gods. And now you need me because the times demand it. Verse 14, he says, Go and cry unto the gods which you have chosen. Let them deliver you in the time of your tribulation. In other words, perilous times demand a God that lives, a God that is real. Later on, speaking to those who objected to Israel having what God had given, uh it stated in verse 24 of chapter 11, "Wilt not thou possess that which Chemosh, thy God, giveth thee to possess? So whomsoever the Lord our God shall drive out from before us, them uh, will we possess. So look, if your God is so great, let him take care of you in times of, of trouble. And the answer is he could not. Uh, later on, Jephthah, in times of great peril, this this leader of Israel, he vowed a vow unto God and said, If you will... If you will without fail deliver the children of Ammon into mine hands, then whatever comes out of my door when I go back to my home, whatever comes out first, I will offer it up for burnt offering. Well, if you know anything about Jephthah, you probably remember that God, God delivered Jephthah's enemies. And when he returned home, the first one to greet him was his own daughter. And Jephthah says in, in difficult times when It was obvious that Jehovah was his God. I have opened my mouth unto the Lord and I cannot go back. Uh, Earlier in chapter 11, he says, uh, what I've said, I've said about another incident. I, I have uttered all his words, Jephthah's words before the Lord. So what is the uniform point of all this? The uniform point is you see who your God really is when push comes to shove. When God's people were in perilous times, they realized they'd rejected God. When the pagans of the land objected to Israel, they realized they, they had a gods that were not gods. When Jephthah was given victory, he realized that that was because of God. And, and so he was obliged to keep his word. Now, incidentally, parenthetically, I do not believe that Jephthah sacrificed his daughter as initially Abraham thought he would have to do with his son. I do not think that happened. I think there are things in the text that make that very clear. But whatever happened here, it was significant and it was of great cost. And Jephthah kept his word because God was his God. Now look, when times are easy, it's easy not to think much about God. When there's not much at stake in the, wor- you know, the promises you make, it's easy not to give much regard to God. But But you see who God really is in your life when push comes to shove. Two things I would say about this. Number one, you're only as able as the God you serve. So, for example, if you are putting all your trust, dependence, love, etc., that belongs to God into money, then you're as able as your money. The problem with money is that it has limitations. You die and you can't take it with you. For that matter, there are things right now in life that money cannot buy, So money is a great servant, but it's not worthy of being God because you're you're only as able as the God you serve. This God, Jehovah, was a God who delivered. You read about this. He will deliver the enemy into your hands. Friends, money is a God that cannot always deliver. Now, does that mean we should not earn it well and save it well and spend it wisely? No, we should. That's part of its being our servant. But I will tell you, if all your life is wrapped up and absorbed in money, for example, one of many examples, then that gives you great power, but only as much power as as money will produce, and money makes itself wings. Secondly, you're only as wise as the God you serve. So, look, decisions you make, if all your decisions are based on one metric, what does that do for me financially? Now, is that a factor? Of course it is. Should you consider that uh, financially when you make major decisions? Of course. But if that is your only metric by which you make a choice, you're going to be making choices that may be good financially, but disastrous for the most significant parts of your life. Why? Because you're only as wise as the God you serve. Money, people do foolish things with it. God is a God who gives us wisdom for the moment, for the need, and for the person who asks for it. If you lack wisdom, let us ask of God. So the question today is, what God do you serve? And therefore, how able are you and how wise are you? In every circumstance of your life, you're going to see who your God actually is when push comes to shove.